0: Scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the book of Job, the 19th chapter. And he writes, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would sanctify us through them. Amen. During World War I, a French physicist uh, worked with the Navy from both uh, Britain as well as France to develop uh, what was sort of like ultrasound down into the ocean to detect submarines. And he developed a a sound wave that could be pushed down into the water and would send back uh, an image of of the German U-boats or submarines that were out there in the water. And through this device and this technology, people developed it through the years. By the 1970s, it turned into what we now think of as ultrasound today that is used to detect life inside of the womb. And I remember when our first child was born, seeing the picture of an ultrasound of that baby. It was just an amazing thing. And now, in your life today, <clears throat> it's even more fascinating. You can say an actual video of this. And it'll be interesting to see what your children's generation will be like in terms of, um, of being able to maybe even see more inside of the womb. They think that this is one of the reasons, by the way, that that the pro-life movement is is actually more alive in your generation than my generation. They think it's partly due to technology and it really humanizes and you realize that life that's, that's really there inside of the womb. It's an amazing thing. So the technology exists to begin recognizing your life so early on and watching it develop if you really were Uh, able to use it all that way and think of all the photographs and video now that we take of our lives all the all the things that you could document about your entire life all the way to the grave and uh, how, how technology today provides us to see and watch life in such a full way compared to about four generations ago it's absolutely amazing and imagine if someone were to do that to to actually document your life. National Geographic decides to make a program around you all the way from the point of when you were inside of your mother and to where you are today. Here you are in in adult form, most of you. Uh, One of my friends is a doctor who said that our body's pulmonary system uh, begins deteriorating and stops growing and starts slowly deteriorating by about age 20. Our lung capacity stops growing at that time and begins decreasing around mid-20s and really starts to decline about age 35. A Canadian study was done on people playing video games years ago, and they found that cognitive performance begins to go downhill by age 24. So we got a couple years yet. Keep, Keep going after it neurologists. Neurologists claim that our memory begins to decline by our mid-30s. So already there are small little hints in our lives, in our physica- physical lives, in our physiology that, that is demonstrating the fact that, as the Bible says, sin has affected all of us so that death is now a part of our lives. And even when we are in our most youthful feeling years, there's already a decline that is taking place <clears throat> that is pushing us ultimately toward the grave. There's a company called April Age Incorporated and their motto is, see your future self. And you can send them f- pictures and video of yourself and they will computerize it and, and turn it into what you will probably look like in another 20, 30, 40 years and so on. And um, Ever thought about that? What did, What are you going to look like when you're my age? What are you going to look like when you're in your possibly 80s? What will you look like the day you die? You know, years ago they used to make death masks of people. Um, they did that with Martin Luther when he died. Make death masks of people. What What will you look like? What will you look like a couple years after you die? If somebody were to look into your coffin, what would you possibly look like at that point in time? Job reminds us. He says, my skin is going to be destroyed. We don't like to think about that. It's gross and it's, it's like offensive to us. But it's true for every one of us. My skin is going to be destroyed. And there's a deterioration process that is already beginning in our bodies even right now. And as soon as the soul finally exits the body and is taken by God out of the body, that deterioration process will increase dramatically. Now, God did not create human beings to die. We think of death as kind of a natural thing because we're just so used to it now all around us, but it's really an unnatural thing. It's not what you and I have been created for. God did not make human beings to die. The fact that death is a reality in my life, in your life, is there because, the Bible says, because of the problem of sin. Sin brought along with it a Siamese twin of death. And that has now infected all of us. And, and that's why it's here in our world. But, but God's original plan for us was to be alive, was to, to be living creatures, And so as soon as that event happened that brought death into the world, right away, God immediately promised that he was going to send someone to undo all of this for us. He promised right away to our first parents, I am going to send one who will have the power to defeat this problem. He will be both true God and true man. Speaking there for the first time in Scripture about the coming Messiah, the great Christ, who had come into this world to undo the power of death that's over us. And when our Lord Jesus Christ came back to life again from the dead, that was the ultimate signal of that victory. I think what it would have, would have been like to have been in the tomb. He probably would have had some, had to have some, uh, some light because it was all sealed up. But have been in Christ's tomb when he began to come back to life, what, what would you have noticed first? Would it have been his his lungs breathing? Would it have been his eyes? Would it have been his mouth opening up? What would you possibly have noticed as the first indication that he had come back to life from the dead? And and for you someday as a believer in Christ, what would be the first indication in your body that the resurrection is taking place for you? Job reminds us of how wonderful this is when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Now, we have a lot of questions about how is this going to happen? How is this going to take, what exactly is going to happen to me and my body? What does it mean for it to be glorified someday? A man by the name of Donald Deutschlander says this. I love this. He says, in his word, God lets us peek through a keyhole at things indescribable and eternal. That's an awesome line. God lets you kind of, through his word, peek through a keyhole at at what this indescribable thing is going to be like. And what eternal life is ultimately going to be like. So today, let's learn from Job four important things. Four important things that we have because of Christ's resurrection. Okay? First of all, I want you to notice in, in Job's comment how connected his own life is now to this Redeemer. Okay? That's a significant title for Christ, who is already standing on the earth, he says. Come back, has come back to life. He calls him his Redeemer. Everything he has now is bound up in the fact that, that Christ has risen. That, is, that means that the payment to get us out of our sins and out of our death has all been taken care of. And you should be confident. He calls him my Redeemer. And you have by faith you have the same, the same blessing from God to be able to call Christ your Redeemer. And the fact that he's alive means that the work of paying for you to be bought back into God's good graces has all been taken care of. God does not want you to go through your life worried about whether or not you're going to get to go to heaven someday, worried about whether or not your sins have been really paid for. You have a Redeemer who's alive. Okay, number two, it will be your own body that experiences this tremendous resurrection. The words that he says, if you could translate them very literally in the Hebrew, it, sa- it would say, out of my own flesh I shall see God. In other words, from inside of my own body. And then he emphasizes it, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. God doesn't want you going through life worried that maybe whatever this creature is that's gonna rise out of your grave is not you. As if the way some religions teach reincarnation and you become some other different thing and float off and have no recollection of who you were. God does not want you going through life with, with that fear. He wants you confident that this is your resurrection, it's your body, yes, glorified, no longer under the effects of sin, glorified so beautifully. But it will be your eyes that see this. Number three, The great certainty that he has is expressed in his Redeemer because of this. Notice he says, I know that my Redeemer lives in my flesh. I shall see God. God doesn't want you going through life with kind of an iffy proposition. It's possible. Maybe there's a chance that I could see God someday. No, I shall see God. Whenever God talks to Christians in this world in His Word about heaven and, and our resurrection, it's always with absolute certainty. He never kind of makes it just a possibility. He always speaks in absolute certainty. And finally, number four, think how this allows Job to look ahead at his whole life and his and his future. The joyful anticipation. He says, how my heart yearns within me. You could literally translate it, my insides are so excited to finally get to see this. That inside of him and in his heart and faith, he is so excited to see this. So God wants you to be confident about this and to let this be the whole purpose and reason for your future and why you can have such a positive outlook on your future. Make it foundational in your life. This week in our chapel services, we've been talking about the gift of faith. And um, sometimes I know my faith can be really weak. And maybe that is with you, you too. Sometimes our faith can get really weak. But think what a precious gift faith is that God puts in our hearts. Think what a precious thing it is that even the weakest faith, holding on just barely to Christ, still possesses power over your grave, entrance into heaven, and eternal life. Blessed are you in that precious faith that God has put in your hearts. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Please take out your hymn book and turn to hymn number 361. Hymn number 361. Many of our hymns have beautiful prayers in them. This is a good example. Let's use the last two verses, verses 5 and 6, as our prayer before we sing our final hymn. Please join me. We thank thee then, O God of heaven, that thou to us this faith hast given, in Jesus Christ, thy Son, who is our only fount and source of bliss. And from his fullness grant each soul the rightful faith's true end and goal, the blessedness no foes destroy, eternal love and light and joy. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen.